Shall we begin? Why not? Welcome to Frankie Sense and More. It's like she's got a whole lot of goodness for you with a little bit of sass. Frankie, did you just say... She sure did. Not to mention... Along with... Whoops. Join us now as Frankie Picasso and her new co-host mix it up with authors, musicians, and interviews with world-changing people. Let's begin Okay, let's begin now, because it only makes sense. Welcome to Frankie Sense and More. Boy, I am so excited today that this day has gone to the dogs. They're my favorite people. And it really is, and I do mean it in a really good way. And I want to start off by saying that I have the most amazing guests here today. There's Gordon Shotgun Shell, Luke Westerman, and Mark Barone and Marina Durvan. Now, each one is doing their part to eliminate animal cruelty, cultivate compassion for the animals, and surprisingly, each one is using art as their engine for social change. Now, I want to introduce uh, you to each one, but in just in a moment, because I'm going to replace my usual monologue with a call to action. One of many, I think, today. So I'm going to ask you, who wants to be in show business? Literally. One of the good radio projects for good is Mark Barone and Marina Durvans, found, uh, who are the founders of An Active Dog. They're the subject of a documentary, an initiative being filmed by Sagacity Productions and PBS. Now, the film is a story of an artist, Mark, who bears witness to a disturbing social problem and uses his talents to do something about it. The project is in the final production phase and is in need of an additional $6,700, $6,800 to help us provide production crew for three separate locations. So they're looking for um, a minimum of $1,000 a person. And if you want to become an executive producer and be part of bringing this compassion-filled, optimistic story to PBS audiences, then I urge you to contact Bonnie Silva, who's Bonnie at sagacityproductions.com. Now, I'd like to welcome back my old friends, Marina Durvan and Mark Barone. Uh, welcome back, you two. Hi. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Would you like just take a moment and explain uh, to folks what an active dog is, the Museum of Compassion, and Mark, what you've been doing for the past five years? Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll just give you a, a summary, and thanks for that fabulous intro. Um, uh, basically, uh, what happened was Mark had his dog Santina for 22 years, and she died, and it was about six months after that that I had gone online looking for another dog to adopt. And unfortunately, of course, Mark was not even close to ready to adopt another dog. So instead of finding a dog, I discovered what was going on with the shelter system and the millions of animals that we were killing every year and uh, presented that problem to Mark. I was outraged by it. And of course, Mark has been an artist for over 35 years. So his thinking was to illustrate uh, just to take one of the animals, otherwise we'd be here for 14 years, but um, yeah. to illustrate what we, kill in, what we kill in one day. So we got an approximate number. So Mark took four years, 1,400 days straight to paint 5,500 portraits of shelter dogs um, that are no longer with us. And uh, to actually, that's kind of where it started. And, and, of course, the ultimate goal is to get it up in, in a working, interactive museum. Um, and we have two parallel pathways. One is that we turn all the images into uh, art products, and 100% of the money from that goes back to all the rescues across the nation. And uh, the other pathway is to actually introduce art for social change uh, into schools and to really uh, show the next generation 
how to cultivate compassion and how to actually, rather than have art for art's sake on the wall, to actually have it be purposeful. And so we've been working with schools as well. So Incredible. I hope that kind of summarizes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mark, Mark, your paintings are, some of the paintings are eight feet by eight feet and others are like 12 mm -hmm. inches, maybe by 12 inches, 12. something mm -hmm. like that. But you, I know that there was a couple of dogs that you painted that were very special. I think Oreo is one. Do you want to tell us her story? Yeah. Uh, Oreo, uh, you know, was thrown out of a six-story uh, uh, apartment building in Brooklyn and uh, broke both front legs and cracked ribs and everything else. And so uh, uh, the uh, ASPCA took uh, Oreo in, rehabilitated him, and then after they got done rehabilitating, there was a bunch of uh, rescue groups and other people that were ready mm -hmm. to come in and uh, because they they started saying that he had aggression problems. And uh, uh, so they ended up killing him. And when there was people that were willing to take him. So uh, he is one of the uh, uh, eight foot by eight foots. And, you know, I have, uh, you know, text in the painting along with the painting itself to really tell his story or tell her story. And uh, it, it was really a... a horrific thing and then they tried to get a law passed uh called oreo's law and oreo's law was uh a, a law that would allow rescue groups and uh you know sanctuaries to pull these dogs that they deemed aggressive or what you know or, or problematic and they were able to pull them from uh you know a shelter before they would be killed so they would give them another chance to live and uh the aspca was one of the uh, uh forerunners and trying to kill that act and they ended up did killing the uh the wow yeah I, and i know and that we'll talk to luke in a little bit too who, who is really working hard to to change change how shelters and how laws work uh go ahead marina sorry no i was just going to answer your question the eight by eights is 11 of them there, and they all represent additional issues like you know breed specific legislation we have lennox that Mark painted uh, for that issue. You know, all different issues from dog fighting, animal, you know, animal testing, uh, you know, killing animals for space, puppy mills, etc. So it's to kind of, you know, really uh, take a broad stroke and introduce people to all of the issues that need to be addressed. And each of these dogs are real dogs. They were real dogs that were in shelters. They're not just made-up dogs. And just to give you folks who are listening an idea of the scope, the size and scope of this museum, it's two football fields, two football fields filled with paintings of real dogs who were killed in one day. How incredible is that? Just outstanding. Mm -hmm. Mark and Marina, thank you so much. Thank you so much. You. And I really you. hope that, 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 that the money comes through for you for the, for the film, for the PBS documentary. How, how sad a commentary, though, is it that we need to teach compassion to, to, to the world? I mean, come on. That's just, that just incredible to me. I'm going to introduce you to our mm -hmm. next folks, and then I want you to stick around because we are going to have a, a good conversation, I know. Gordon Shotgun Shao. Wow, there's nothing wrong with Gordon's heart from where I sit. It may have shortened his 28-year fighting career with the former, you know, this former MMA. Uh, his heart belongs to the dogs, though, and I know that they appreciate his 20 years of service on their behalf. Gordon has volunteered with different animal organizations like the Michigan Humane Society. He's worked as an independent cruelty investigator, co-founded the Anti-Dog Fighting Campaign, and he challenged Mike Vick to a charity fight to raise money to end dog fighting. So far. So, yeah. Gordon, welcome. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me on. 
Yeah, no, my pleasure. So you you sent out this, you know, public, very public, because you got T-shirts made and posters and everything. And in 2016, Mike Vick, you know, come fight me. Um, only, you know, uh, I, what's the wording that you use on that shirt? Uh, make make this happen or make the fight happen. There's a and the the, the shirt only the, only punks or something. Do dog? Yeah, what did you, well, you put on it? Yeah, um, well, the the main shirt that kind of got the most notoriety and, and it sold the most, it was uh, what I wore in my very last fight that was during the movie, and it just said, Fight Me Mike Vick. So it was just a very quick, to-the-point message to get out there, and it um, it went viral on the Internet. I made one shirt for that fight, and people wanted it, and it was an easy fundraiser for what I do and to back up all of my exploits that I have going on because I have way too many for my income that I have. So everything I do is self-funded and uh, right. I accept donations, but I, I don't go out there asking for things. So I figured if I, I had a shirt and then you, you would watch the movie last night, um, the proceeds from the movie go to help what I do. Um, so I'm trying to just fund it that way. Well, we let, let's, um, I'm going to just give out two websites. First of all, go to www.anactofdog.org and Martin Marina. They have beautiful products there for sale as well because they're funding their venture. Gordon's website is www.gordonshell.com. And as he just mentioned, he is also funding all of his projects. And he's also funding his legal fees because Gordon was arrested in March for removing a dog who was about to die from, from an owner's property and um, ended up having to spend five days in jail and paying a $1,000 fine. Is that correct? Do I have it right? Yep, $1,000 in fines and about $23,000 in legal, legal and travel bills. fees. So <laughs> it, was a, it was a nice little, uh, well, it was a nice expense. But, you yeah, know, a dog's, a dog's life was saved, and I think I did the right thing. And it, it obviously wasn't the legal thing, but I don't think we can always follow the law if there's a life on the line. So we're going to work really hard to change that law and protect the rescuers so that if we need to do something like that in the future, nobody else has to go through what myself and the other two volunteers are going through. Well, let me, let me tell folks about you and, and what you, your last fight and congratulations on your win. Um, Gordon, yeah. Gordon had to quit fighting because he has a problem with his heart and he was, couldn't get the oxygen that he needed. And, and, you know, it was dangerous. I mean, really he could die if he fought, but he was presented an offer by D'Onofrio who said that, you know, I'm going to give you like $15,000 to your animal fund to, you know, helping you save the animals if you fight. And, and so, you know, he, he took it seriously. He weighed the pros and the cons. Um, and then you decided that it was worth it to go in, in this last fight to, to raise yeah. that money. <laughs> what, what, I mean, wow. You really did put um, your life in the line for the dogs. And I'm, I'm hoping to do one more. And I, I, I just want to clarify, to get ready for that fight, it took a lot of physical conditioning. I was under really strict monitoring by my doctor just to make sure that I wasn't going to die. I was married at the time. My wife was obviously concerned about my health. Sure. So we took you every precaution possible. Pounds. Yeah. 
and then and then I brought my heart up to a healthy level, and now I can say I own a gym, and I continue to train as if I have another fight coming up because I hope I do, and I'm hoping that Michael Vick will eventually accept this fight, and I'll go in one more time, and I don't expect him to be that much of a challenge, so I don't think my heart would be, you know, too stressed in that one, but it would be an event of a lifetime for me, and it would raise hundreds of thousands of dollars to end dogfighting, and that's that's my whole goal with this fight. And that's a wonderful goal. But I just I just want to say, woman to woman, Marina, I watched his video, and mm-hmm. he had he took off. Uh, four pounds, I think, in in a half an hour because he was four pounds overweight. So he ran for half an hour. He took off four pounds. Like, how the heck does that happen? For me, I took off a total of sixty four pounds to actually make that fight. When I accepted the fight, I was over two hundred and forty pounds, and I fought at one hundred and eighty one pounds. So it was a uh, it was a long camp, but it got me back to uh, the best health that I've ever been in. And I continue to maintain that health and just continue to keep on training and working. And they... commercial break. I'm sorry, we're going to a commercial break. I can't stop sure. them. I wish I could. Luke, we're going to introduce <laughs> you on our way back. Stay tuned. Great. Everyone. Don't go anywhere. We're coming back. And we're going to save some dogs. Close your eyes and imagine living your life without limits. Where would you go? Who would you meet? What would you do? During an Uncover Your Hidden Genius session, you will discover what's keeping you from living your life with purpose, passion, and fulfillment of your potential. You'll get a clear vision of the steps you need to take to uncover your hidden genius so that you can live a life without limits. Sessions can be done over the phone, Skype, or in person. Find out more at www.JoyceBufordEmpowers.com or by calling 903-287-0747. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Most of the time, exercise rejuvenates you and increases your energy. But every once in a while, you may find that you're feeling tired in your workout, and every movement is an effort. My advice is simple. Turn up the music. Listening to fast-paced, uplifting music can really be helpful. According to the Journal of Sport and Exercise Psychology, your overall endurance improves by 15%, when you exercise to music. So put on your preferred playlist or turn the radio up and treat yourself to a great workout while listening to your favorite music. The pulsating beat and uplifting lyrics can truly spur you on to complete your exercise and also to get an outstanding workout. Turn up the music and turn up the energy and motivation. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. Like us on Facebook. And we're back to Frankie Sensenmore. I am your host, Frankie Picasso, and I want to thank you for sticking around and, and staying put because, you know, it's all about the dogs today. I want to introduce you to Luke Westerman. Luke is a venture capitalist. He's a dedicated philanthropist and a devoted activist. And I just love him. I just fell in love with this guy. Luke is the director for the Westerman Family Foundation. It's his family's philanthropic arm, and it's his capacity he to direct financial donations 
orchestrate advocacy efforts and advise nonprofits how to maximize their impact. Well, he's heavily involved in charitable organizations and endeavors, and he's on the board of trustees for several nonprofits like the Opera Columbus, Forge Columbus, and Ohioans Against Breed Discrimination, which the Huffington Post dubbed the country's first political action committee for pit bulls. Now, Luke is a contributing writer for Bark Post, as well as a keynote speaker and lecturer at universities and seminars nationwide. And he uses his platform wisely to educate and initiate public action on a variety of subjects, including breed discriminatory legislation, shelter reform, the horrors of puppy mills, and effective activism. Now, Luke, I know you're not going to forget my name because you got a dog named Frankie. And Dino. You got it. <laughs> That's correct. <laughs> <laughs> so that's great. I'm glad I memorialized your dog. Um, <laughs> and they are your pride, your joy, and your inspiration to do more for all the bully breeds, you and your, and your wife, Alicia. Uh, so you're not going to stop. You have vowed not to stop fighting until there are no more puppy mills or breed-specific legislation anywhere in the United States. And I'm so happy to hear that. Welcome. 100%. Thank you so much. What a, what a pleasure to be here, Frankie. Oh, mine, mine. So tell us what you've been up to. I know that you've been busy and you've got some things really uh, right on, on the cutting edge about to happen. Yeah. So, so there are a lot of different fronts that we're working on right now. Um, as you mentioned in, in that uh, very kind intro, Ohioans Against Free Discrimination is one of the initiatives that we're heavily involved with. Uh, and really our goal for that is to end breed-specific legislation throughout the state of Ohio. And the way we're doing that is, is there's several different things that we're working on. For one, we're trying to pursue that at the state level, trying to introduce legislation that would make it illegal to discriminate on any breed of dog just because they happen to be born that specific breed of dog. Mm -hmm. The other thing that we're doing is going city to city and trying to help each city overturn breed-specific legislation if they have it already. And it's interesting. We were at an event. Gordon and I both were at an event on Saturday called the Ohio Pibble March. And one of the speakers, our dear friend Stephen Baldwin, he went during his speech. He, he mentioned all the cities in the state of Ohio that have breed-specific legislation. And I don't know if you remember this, Gordon, but I felt like he was talking for five minutes. I mean, there's so many oh towns in Ohio that discriminate against breeds of dog. And it's not just pit bulls. It's a lot of different breeds of dogs. But it's, it's heartbreaking and very disconcerting to think that in this day and age, discrimination is still law. Police can technically show up to your house and pull your dog, your family member, from your house, take it to a shelter and euthanize it. That is law in many, many cities in the state of Ohio. And this, is, this happens all across the country. It happens all over the world, unfortunately. I think most of us are aware of the case up in Belfast, Ireland, where uh, the authorities confiscated the dog and ultimately euthanized the dog just because it was born with a blocky head. And, and these kind of things are, are incomprehensible. And uh, because we're so passionate about the cause, we've created this political action committee, Ohioans Against Free Discrimination, to try to make discrimination illegal in Ohio. And then our goal is to take the same model and apply it to other states as well. I mean, we'd love to see a country, a United States, completely void of any form of discrimination. Um, and so that's what our goal is. Well, that that would be awesome. I think that's we have to do that. We have to do it across the country. And I know, Mark, that you probably know this, that, that dogs that are black, they're discriminated against. They're, they're the first ones killed because people, oh, they're scary. We're going to kill black dogs. That's right. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Oh, yeah, very, yeah, very much so. 
Yeah. And Gordon, when you went out with the Humane Society, Mark, you guys lived in Michigan for quite a while, didn't you, before you moved? Uh, no, uh, we, I, lived in, I lived in Kentucky, which is, uh, I think, uh, one of the worst for uh, animal welfare in the country, and it always has been. But that's where we ended up doing the project. And, uh, and uh, so. Uh, wow. I, I, uh, I thought that Roswell, so, New Mexico you know, was the yeah. worst. <laughs> You're horrible. No, no. I, I tell you, you know, they're, they're, they're neck and neck because it, it, uh, it, it was horrific. We used to go to, over to the. Uh, uh, animal care and control for the city and it, it was uh it was just absolutely depressing it was absolutely wow. depressing going over there um sorry gordon so you went out you you went out with animal control with the michigan humane society and yep, you saw pretty horrific yep. things yeah tell us about it and i don't want to depress people but you know what you have the reality is that people misuse and mistreat animals hor horrifically yeah, and it, you know it, there, it is depressing, but there's a lot of happy endings. The the uh, the shirt that I do sell with the Michael Vick on it on the backside, it's me holding a dog named Leo, and Leo was thrown into a sewer, and we found him four days later. Somebody heard him crying. He was about 18 pounds. Um, he's now 65 pounds, fat, happy, just crazy. Uh, and so there are happy endings, but we also yeah. see the dog fight investigations. And um, we also get out there and see that maybe it's not even dogfighting. Maybe it's just hoarding and, or it's, it's somebody that doesn't have the education to take care of the animals. So we'll go out and we'll educate them and help them to take care of their animals first before we enforce anything. And that's something that Stephen Baldwin taught me. You know, we assist, we educate, and then we enforce. The last thing we want to do is take somebody's animal because mm -hmm. it just adds more to the shelter system. We don't need to do that. Yeah, exactly. So... Luke, what would, how would you like to see the shelter reform? How, what would you like to see take place? Yeah, so one of the biggest things that we want to see is every single dog who comes into a county or government-run shelter have mm -hmm. a fair shake at getting a forever adopted home. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of the things that we've seen, I'll give you one specific example, right here in Ohio in Dark County, which is a, a rural part of the state here, there, the Dark County Animal Shelter immediately euthanizes every single pit bull dog that it intakes. But what happens is if it comes in, they visually identify it as a pit bull. They're not doing any sort of DNA testing. They just look at it. If it has a blocky head, they say it's a pit bull. So after the state-required three-day hold, which is set up so that any of the, the dog's owner has time to reclaim it, once that three-day hold is up, they immediately kill the dog. And again, what we're seeing, first of all, that's, that's horrible. But what we're it also seeing are dogs that are, that are not pit bulls at all. You know, they're, yeah. they're, they're looking at dogs, they're lapped with a little more squared off head that they're calling pit bulls. Um, and it, it's just, it's really sad. So we have uh, been working trying to, to get an audience with the decision makers at that county, which are three commissioners, um, and they have been unwilling to even have any sort of discussion around this topic. They are sticking to the dog warden. The dog warden's been there for decades um, and, mm -hmm. frankly, needs to move on, needs to hit the dusty trail and retire. Because, yeah. you know, it, it, anyone that's still that's killing these dogs at such an alarming rate simply because they have a blocky head. There's no behavior testing. There's, there's no assessment process. It's just you look a certain way and we're right. going to euthanize you. That, that's just such a, a sad and archaic mentality. Anyone with that mentality should not be in that business, first of all. So that's one of the shelters that we're working with. 
Um, you know, again, you know, the Kansas City, Kansas City used to used to kill everything just like that, and then they they had yeah. a change of heart, and they instead of becoming a shelter, they became an adoption center, and just by changing yep. that, they now bring in like a million dollars a year. Like they have a funding model that is just incredible. They're making money. They're not killing animals and they're making money. And they could yes, yes. happily show anybody how to do that. Like why wouldn't somebody, a shelter, want to change? I, Go yeah, from depressing that, that, to happy. That, that is, that is a, the, the perfect question to be asking. And what we've seen in a lot of cases, especially when it's a government-run shelter, you've got usually run by counties or cities. So you've got city council people or you've got uh, county commissioners that oversee these shelters. And a lot of times there, there's pride involved. There's ego. There is mm-hmm. a, an unwillingness to relinquish control. There is a, a propensity to be defensive and say, wait a minute, these people are coming in here and telling us how to do things, saying we're not doing things the right way. And so there's, a, there's this tendency for them to get on their heels and then, and then get quite defensive. And they just automatically combat anything, any sort of efforts towards reform. So, you know, we have in our efforts um, taking painstaking measures to make it clear we come in peace. We want to help. We care about the dogs. We also care about the citizens in the city and in the county. We don't want to do anything to put anyone at risk. But let's right. sit down at the table respectfully. Let's have a constructive conversation around what's working, what's not working. And if we can collaborate and determine that there's improvements that can be made, then let's do that. Let's do that without ego, without any kind of hidden agenda. And we've started to see success in my home county here at Franklin County, where uh, Columbus, Ohio is, where we're working uh, very well right now with the shelter leadership to make some reforms and to bring about some improvements there. So it can absolutely be done. Um, We're hoping that at some point the Dark County Animal Shelter that I mentioned a moment ago will also do something similar and come to the table, put ego aside and say, look, we're here for the dogs and we're here for the people in our county. And let's talk about how we can can uh, create a situation that's better for everyone. Here, here. Yeah. And I invite each of you just to jump in whenever, if you have something to say or you want to say anything, please, please do that. I, I just wanted to give a shout out to uh, James Train. James was, really wanted to be on the show today. And unfortunately, he was called to work and, and he just couldn't get away from his boss to do that. But he's a, he, he has six bully type dogs at his home and King Corso and a couple of different, you know, bull mixes. And he has these dogs so beautifully trained. His six year old can take total control of the dog and walk it and do everything and feel perfectly safe and be in total control. So it's not the dog, it's the owner. And I fully believe in that. I really do. Um, The other day I met the scariest dog I've ever met and I have never been afraid of a dog. Dogs love me. And you know what this dog was? It was a Bernese mountain dog doodle mix. Scariest mother I ever met. <laughs> the the eyes were like totally glassed over. He looked ready to kill, and you're like growling at me, and I'm like, holy! Like never met a dog like this. So you know what? They come in all shapes and forms, and it's not just pitties. Yes, they do. That's correct. <laughs> Gordon. Yes. Sitting there. What do you What are you thinking? Um. Listen, I'm taking it all in every time I hear. Mesmerized. So he's uh, he does such a good job, and he's doing such hard work, and and just just 
hearing that, I mean, I testified in front of Waterford City Council. That's where you see Diggy the dog that's been all over the Internet and on Good Morning America. And they've had breed-specific legislation in place for 28 years now. And when I stood there and testified in front of them, um, same thing that Luke said. They were euthanizing anything that came in. Their, their policy was just anything over 40 pounds. And that was wow. Wow. Shepherds, and it gave no waiting period. So my speech was I wore my bulletproof vest and I said, while I'm out there getting shot to save these dogs, I hand them over to you and you immediately kill them. And oh it just gosh. doesn't make sense. It makes and no sense. There was a group I just want to cry right now. We are going to go yeah. to another commercial break in, in a little less than seven seconds. So I'm going to stop you so that uh, we yeah. can come back and keep that thought. Whatever it was, keep it because it's important. If you're out listening at home, feel free to, you know, call in or send a message or something. Um, our lines are kind of full, I think, right now. But um, Ben, my producer, is going to take your message and he's going to deliver it to us and we can answer your questions. So thank you for that. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere for it. I do it all the time, which makes me feel like a total sieve head, as the Brits would say. Some might blame it on old age, but a recent study reported in the Quarterly Journal of Experimental Psychology suggests the simple act of passing through a doorway causes memory lapses. It appears the brain regards a doorway as an event boundary and effectively files away whatever you were thinking about as soon as you step through. What's a word for the feeling your thoughts are being stolen? Nucleptia. So, what's the solution? Try carrying an object that reminds you of the task. For example, if you go into another room to get a pair of scissors, carry the object you want to cut. It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Word. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert Annette Hammond. A study done by the University of North Carolina found that Americans are not only eating more, we are eating more often. From 1977 to 2006, the number of daily meals and snacks increased from 5 to 7. The study also cited that we are consuming 570 more calories per day than we were in the late 1970s. The meal portions have stabilized in recent years, but the total number of calories consumed is rising. Eating five to seven small, healthy meals throughout the day, instead of eating just three large meals, keeps your metabolism revved up and keeps your hunger away. But the operative word here is small. Choose fresh fruit, vegetables, and low-calorie nutritious food for your meals, along with daily exercise. I'm Annette Hammond. To hear other fitness and weight loss tips, visit our website at AnnetteHammond.com. And we're back. It's Frankie Sins and more. And we're here, and we have Gordon Schall. We have Luke Westerman. We have Marina Durvan and Mark Barone. And, wow, I'm your host, Frankie Picasso. So we, were, we went to break, and we, and we decided that we're going to come back, and we're going to talk about puppy mills. <laughs> like we don't have – let's talk about puppy mills. Who wants to start? I, I'm happy to start. This is Luke. Yeah, so one of the things that, uh, that we're trying to do in the state of Ohio and in the country and in the world is end puppy mills. They are an mm-hmm. absolute uh, terrible, uh, terrible thing, and they exist all over the place, and a lot of people don't know. So 99.9% of pet stores that sell animals are selling dogs from puppy mills. And if yes. you Google puppy mills, you'll get a, a firsthand glimpse as to what puppy mills are. They're, they're horrible. We're talking about dogs that spend their entire lives in cages so small they can't even stand up. 
They'll spend eight to ten years in a cage where they're constantly hunched over to the extent that their backs eventually begin to take a shape that's like bowed over hunchback. These dogs will never touch the grass. They will never see the sun. They'll never feel the breeze on their face. They'll never have a single uh, minute of contact with another animal or with a human being. It's, it's abysmal. And pet stores are, are selling dogs, are selling dogs from puppy mills. It's just the flat-out reality. And so we're trying to help um, lawmakers understand this reality and, and create legislation to combat it. And I'll just give you this uh, most recent success story. The city of Grove City, which is a suburb of Columbus here, recently passed an ordinance which would make puppy sales illegal within their city limits. Um, this is a, a, a wonderful success story of a lot of incredible, um, very dedicated advocates and some really good city council members who got it. Mm-hmm. And this definitely got a lot of opposition from, uh, from big lobby groups and from some of these big pet stores that, hey, selling puppy mill dogs is big business. There's a lot of money for them to make in this. So they want to fight uh, ordinances like this. But we prevail. The ordinance passed. And now... Uh, these, these pet stores, these shameless pet stores and these profiteers have tried to go to the state level and overturn that ordinance. Um, they've tried everything from trying to slip amendments into unrelated tax bills so they can kind of sneak it in under the noses of, of state taxpayers and voters. Uh, now they're trying to introduce separate legislation and circumvent due process by, again, trying to cram this thing through under the radar. Um, it's really shady, and, and, and our efforts have been to try to combat this along the way. Um, it's just been interesting to kind of see behind the scenes as to what goes into laws becoming laws and or, or not becoming laws and, and all the backdoor dealings that we've had to see from pet stores and legislators. Um, it's, it's unfortunate. Yeah. So bottom line, don't buy your pets at the mall. Go Do to reputable breeders or to a shelter and, and find your animal there. And if you are going to go to a breeder, make sure you see mom and dad, if you can, and, yes, and have correct. a good look at them. Last week, there, was, um, uh, there were a couple of animals around me who, who were advertised on um, like Kijiji, which is like a Craigslist. And people went and they picked up these dogs at gunpoint took these puppies because they were bully puppies of some sort um, at gunpoint from the owner. And, you know, they figured that these dogs are going to be used as bait dogs or, or whatever, um, or grow up to be fighting dogs. And one was actually found dead. So, you know, be oh, careful about who, who you're getting dogs from. And if you're a reputable breeder, like James, you know, he didn't want to talk about the breeding because he does have a couple of, you know, breeding. But what he does is he makes sure he stays in touch with the people who take his dogs. He wants to see those dogs for the next year. And he would take that dog back, I know, if he thought that dog was being abused in any way. So that's Absolutely. somebody who, Rep- who... You're right. You're right, Frankie. Reputable breeders are going to screen you, the adopter. Mm-hmm. As much as you are going to be screening them, they're going to want to know what the home environment's like. You have a fence. You plan on taking the dog on walks. They're going to want you to sign an agreement stating that for any reason in the future, you can't handle this dog. I want you to promise me contractually you'll bring this dog back. They want to take that much painstaking care. And if you're not being asked those questions, if you're not seeing those things, it's probably not a reputable breeder. And they may also ask you to sign a contract not to breed that dog. Yeah, absolutely. You might have to do that too. You're exactly right. 
You're right. So, you know, be very careful and, and know who you're getting it from. I, I, I gave a shout out to Ronnie Stanley two weeks ago, but I'm going to say it again because he's a Baltimore Ravens player who went into an animal shelter and asked for the one dog that's been here the longest that nobody wants. And it was a female, it was a female dog. And they said, well, you know, her breasts are hanging. She's been over, she was a puppy mill, you know, she was overbreeded and whatever. And he goes, that's okay. That's what happens to women who have a lot of babies. That's okay. I'll take her anyway. <laughs> so, you know, shout out to him for being so compassionate and, and yes, taking yes. the one dog, you know, that nobody wants. And, and I think a lot of people, hopefully you will go in and do the same thing because you know what, they can offer you a lot of love. Even older dogs can give you lots of love to the end of their lives. Amen to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there you go. Exciting new news from uh, Gordon. Gordon, you are starting a, a new project, a shelter rehab project. Tell us about that. Well, a lot of people don't know that I'm a former builder, and Stefan and I had an idea a while back, and, and Dr. Katie Nelson also had the idea. So I think we we're all working on the same page. Our work in the streets, I mean, Stefan has a little more resources than I do as far as places to take the dogs. He even takes them back to his own home. He has, I believe, 16 dogs in his home now. But there's a lot of places where the people begin to make a shelter and they're doing it out of the goodness of their heart, but they just don't have the proper facility. It's not up the code. It's not comfortable for the animals. And and another concern is nobody wants to go to a bad facility to adopt a dog. So the right. future for these dogs is minimal. So I want to make sure, and I put the invite out locally here, and I want to expand across the country, that if you have a shelter and you need some help construction-wise on getting some volunteers together and some building material supply companies that if you need a new roof, if you need some plumbing brought up to code, if you need some electrical, proper ventilation, all of those things to try to help out, I'm starting a program to do that. So my first, I'm going to uh, inspect the shelter on Monday morning, and that will probably be my first project. They just need separation between the cats and dogs, and um, I want to offer that up. So it will expand, and it will lead to kind of a bigger program that I'm working on nationally that will eventually be funded by somebody bigger. Um, Right now I'm just doing this one out of my pocket and with donations, so hoping to kick it off as soon as possible. Well, like you said, you're doing everything out of pocket. Um, so, so go to Gordon's site, gordonshell.com. He's got hats. He's got hoodies. He's got the video, um, the fantastic documentary that he did. Uh, what else are you selling there? Um, dog tags, maybe, I think. My All soul. Stuff. Your soul. Anybody wants to buy it, so, you know, yeah, whatever yeah. it takes. Got to keep this thing going. Mark, we're going to talk about you because I know you really want us to talk about you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm happy to listen. (laughs) Tell tell us about the documentary. Tell us about the PBS documentary. It's close to being done. Or is it almost done, Uh, right? Could I just make a Sure, Marina, go ahead. Uh, I just wanted to encourage uh, anybody out there that's been in the habit just uh, from getting their dogs from breeders, and particularly if they're bully breeds or, or any kind of mix, that they consider going to the shelter because most of the 5,500 dogs that Mark painted were pit bull bully breed mixes. Yeah. So I think it's really important to encourage that, to not perpetuate that habit and to help them understand that there are beautiful dogs just waiting in the shelter for their forever home and uh-huh. you can yeah. really make a difference in their lives. So I just wanted Thank to that. say that. Ab- absolutely agree. Yeah, me too. Let, mm-hmm. 
like to use the hashtag adopt, don't shop. So, you know, yeah. always yeah. help yeah. out that. That's right. And if yeah. you need any help, know. you know, in training, then, you know, shout out. People are, lots of people will want to come help them. Absolutely. Gordon will send somebody. Yeah. Send somebody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Love to work with them. Okay. So the documentary. So, yeah. Uh, well, PBS have been filming the journey that, that we've taken. Um, and, you know, obviously Mark painting the 5500. They're in the final stages and they'll paint the, Mark painted all 5500 minus the final five because the, the uh, PBS wanted to capture those final uh -huh. five from beginning to end and uh -huh. the stories that go along with them. I mean, we, because the 5500, the main, it's a, it's a collective story, which is their ending. It's the right. fact that they're abandoned and then they're dumped and then they're killed. And so right. that's, it's, it's one story it's of that 5,500. However, obviously there are some stories that we know. And so we saved five stories that we thought were particularly heinous um, for that final five that they'll be capturing. And so hopefully um, uh, they'll get the remaining uh, funding that they need to come out and film. And it will air uh, hopefully later this year. And then hopefully the object, the objective is to hope that that will go international and then it will reach philanthropists that can help us get the actual exhibit up so we can really engage uh, the whole of the world in change because we've got fans all over the world that want to come to see the actual exhibit up and actually so we can bring schools in and start making change in a very real way. And I know that you that part of that legacy was being being able to give money to shelters after the fact, you know, as as the museum goes on and things like that. So you have an architect for the museum? Uh, yes. yes, we do. Uh, yep, he's uh, an architect from Los Angeles that did the renderings, just a beautiful sort of rendering, a prototype. Yeah, just a, as a prototype rendering, um, and then obviously when we get help with that, we'll be, you know, the vision can be as big as as uh, you know the people involved because sure. it is, you know, we saw that there was no funding. You know, you can't create an no-kill nation if you don't support the rescue groups who are pulling the animals and you don't have a foster network. So all of these things, for these people, there is no money going down. And we saw that the large animal charities really don't care and there is no money going down there. So we were, you know, not having money ourselves, we said, well, how can we do this to wake mm -hmm. up people and turn it into a product? So instead of it being a a for-profit company that, you know, there's plenty of them that make products, use sure. art, and make millions and millions, but none of it is going back for change. So, the, you know, Mark and I have not had a penny in five years. So all of this is to create a company uh, with beautiful products that could sell, and they do sell all over the world, but that it, when we're dead and gone, it's this fund that just continues to fund all of the issues and all of the groups that are saving lives. That's beautiful, Marina. Um, we got a minute to our to our commercial break. Is do you have a location yet decided upon, or is it still? Up for it's going to be dictated by the philanthropists that help. Get gotcha. It nice. Right. It's going to be so beautiful. I just cannot wait. I hope I hope to see it in my lifetime. I really do. I'm yes, sure we, we, are. we do too. Yeah, yeah, me too. Uh, outstanding, just outstanding. And when we come back, we're going to go to commercial break. And when we come back. Um, Oh, geez, I forgot what I wanted to talk about. <laughs> I know I'm going to talk about that. We'll fill it in. We're going to talk about the, the Pibble March. I want to talk about the Pibble March. And, 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 oh, and I want to talk about um, the event that you have coming up in September for, for, for the um, 
the sterilization of the animals, right? That's coming up, right, in September? Okay, we're going to commercial break. Don't go anywhere. We have more to talk about. We'll be right back after we pay the bills. Welcome to Geraldine Tegelove Live, the show that shares with you the secrets of redefining, reinventing, and rebuilding your life. Having pulled herself from the rubble of financial ruin and having gone on to create a highly successful career, Geraldine has become an expert in the art of transformation. She believes that it doesn't matter where you are right now, how overwhelmed you feel, or how impossible the task of turning your life around may seem. You can do it. Stay tuned as metaphysician, international best-selling author and intuitive, Geraldine Tegelov gives you the inner understanding and the outer practical how-to to create your amazing life. Gain a fresh perspective on how to redefine, reinvent, and rebuild your life. Join Geraldine Tegelov live every Tuesday evening at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on the Toginet Radio Network. This is the Toginet Radio Network, radio with a cutting edge. It's words you never heard. Man cannot live by bread alone. He must have his peanut butter. Peanut butter is a pate of childhood, and it's not just for kids as dogs love it too. Last night I gave my dog a pill hidden in peanut butter. What's a word for a messy concoction that helps the medicine go down? Sliver sauce. Mice apparently prefer peanut butter to cheese when it comes to luring them into the trap. But there are even more practical uses for peanut butter. Peanut butter contains natural oils, which makes it perfect for removing all kinds of sticky things, like gum stuck in your shoe or in your hair. What's a word for the fear of peanut butter sticking to the roof of your mouth? Arachibutophobia. And according to Barry Goldwater, if you don't mind smelling like peanut butter for two or three days, peanut butter is a darn good shaving cream. It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. And we're back. You're listening to Frankie Sense and More. We've got Gordon, Luke, Marina, Mark, and Frankie. <laughs> and Frankie the dog he's listening to, I think. Yes, he is. Okay. So um, I wanted to talk about what you guys just just finished doing was was the um, Ohio Pebble March. What was that about? And are people doing that everywhere else too? They should be doing that everywhere else. I know that uh, Katie Blanton uh, down in Cincinnati, uh, Cincinnati Fit Group, uh, is one of the uh, the creators of this event. This year on Saturday Mm -hmm. was actually the second annual Ohio Pebble March. We had a great turnout. The whole idea is designed to just to bring attention to BSL, the horrors of BSL, and to just simply educate the public uh, about pit bulls and about breed discrimination and discrimination as a whole, and then mm-hmm. to activate the public, give, give folks a clear call to action. Here's how we can defeat BSL. Here's how we can open people's eyes about the true nature of pit bulls. Uh, Gordon was a speaker, a phenomenal speaker. Um, our friend, uh, Stephen Baldwin was uh, also a speaker, another great speaker. I got a chance to speak. It was a really fun event. And one of the other outcomes was you just bring a lot of good people together, a lot of activists, all rowing in the same direction, all trying to champion pit bulls. Uh, it, it was just a recipe for a wonderful event. Um, I'm curious. Have you heard from Caesar? We Milan? haven't heard from Caesar, no. And um, not, uh, I don't want to bring it down, but not a big fan. 
Um, no. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. and, I mean, but I he, know he, he loves pities. He he's done some great work. It just I think I think things have kind of gone sideways a little bit. So I just distanced myself yeah. from him a little bit. Rebecca Corey was kind of the ambassador of the whole march back in mm-hmm. uh, two years ago. She did it on Washington D.C. and had about forty five hundred people show up. So that was really well received. We got great write ups in the papers. Obama even came out and and supported our our march and said that, you know, BSL was discrimination. He didn't support it. So it would be great if they looked at, at, a, at a federal level and dictated it down, but, you know, that's near impossible. We have to do it at a state level. But it, it, it Rebecca went all, nearly died planning that one, so she said oh, never again. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but if anybody wants to do it, and then, you know, Katie Blanton stepped up and said, I'm going to do one in Ohio. I hope people follow and she's done it on her own or with the Cincinnati pit crew for the last two years. And she does a phenomenal job. We march, we speak, and then we all go back to an after party in a vendor village. And you get to sit around. And the networking is really some of the most important things because you meet. That's, that's, where I'm, that's where I met Luke is, is at it last year. And I met Stephen Baldwin at last year's. And since then, I mean, we're going we're gonna to do some really, really big stuff together. And without that march, I may have never met these guys. So I think it's an amazing event, and I hope people will just start doing it in their own states. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, networking is super important. That's why I really am so glad that I have all of you on this show together, because I think that you might do some good things together. Now, in September, you're going to be doing a bully sterilization somewhere. Is that correct, or do I have that wrong? Gordon? Oh, me? No, I don't do sterilization. Sorry. No, I know you don't personally do it. But I saw, I, no. I saw a poster on your, on your site about... I, I, um, I support different groups that do do that, but I'm not okay. actively, yeah, I'm not actively running anything myself. Okay. Frankie, and, I but, can but uh, you tell did... you this. It, we've got a, uh, one of the things that we've been able to, to do with the uh, Franklin County Dog Shelter here, you may have seen something like this on my wall on Facebook, Maybe. is we've got the, the county... Uh, has just recently received a proposal from the shelter director here where their intention is to begin um, doing spay and neuter for free for the community five days a week. So basically every single day the shelter is open, Monday through Friday. Their intention is every morning to bring people in from the community who have dogs who are not spay and neutered and actually getting them fixed at no cost, Yay. which goes a long way to solve really the root problem uh, yeah. out there, which is just pet overpopulation. So we're, we're thrilled. That, that proposal has been submitted to the county, and now we got to hope that the county leaders actually approve it, which they should, and I expect them to. So this initiative, this wonderful initiative, can start. Yeah, and you know, I don't know if you knew about this, but there's um, a company that I spoke to last year who were doing neut- um, neuters uh, injection, injection by injection, and it takes like less than two minutes. Like they 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 inject, and the dog sterilized. And up and gone, ready to play again in like two minutes. Oh, wow. It's incredible. Wow. Just so much easier than going under a knife, you know? So I'm, I'm hoping that they get some headway and the price is about the same. So I'm really hoping that we see some, some more, um, some more of that happening. It's unfortunate for the females is a little bit more in, invasive. Um, the anti-dog fighting campaign, Gordon, you, you helped co-found that. And so you're just yep. hoping that people all over the country, if they hear about dog fighting, that they'll call in. Yes, we, they can come in. The easiest way is to go instant message on our social media site or on the Facebook page, Anti-Dog Fighting Campaign. And Patricia Miles and I started this about four years ago. 
and we've got over 127,000 followers on Facebook. Holy. And we've so got, what happens? Like, how do you go out? How do you fix it? Stop it? Who do you call? Uh, we've got investigators in seven different countries. So what we did is we just put out a call to action that we want people that are involved that have a background in law enforcement or animal control, or we have we will interview people that want to be a part of this to see if they're qualified. If they're not a law enforcement agent, then they will take the right process to get the evidence needed to bring it to us or take it to local authorities so that we can do something about it. So it just gives us a portal and a resource to get out to these other countries. And also it was founded here in Detroit. Uh, so it just expanded out and it's great because I'm, I'm the co-founder, but I am far from uh, working hard on this. There is a crew right. of about 40 people just running this thing nonstop. And I, I get the really high end cases that they send to me. Other than that, this thing just running like a machine. Next week, I'll be on a conference call with Rebecca Corey. I'm going to start the uh, dog fighting uh, hot uh, tip line in Detroit and in mm -hmm. conjunction with the Humane Society with the $1,000 reward if we get evidence that leads to a prosecution. So we will blanket all of the uh, like utility vehicles with stickers with the 1-800 number, and we will pay for the city. And there's going to be a lot of people that will turn in family members or neighbors that they know is dogfighting if there's a $5,000 prize to mm. be found. So, yeah. Uh, I'm going to be administrating that myself uh, as well as the rehab and my day job and everything else. So I don't sleep nice. much. Wow. <laughs> and I just want to remind people because we've had this like incredible heat wave. Do not leave your dog outside, please. If you do, no. like, tons of water. Keep the, Give them shake. Get them cooled down. You know, signs of... Um, you know, heat stress and, and, and that is, you know, excessive panting where they can't stop or breathe. Purple gums, you know, they just look after your dogs. Do not ever leave them in a car with the window down in the summer. They will die. So Amen. remind people of that. Yes. I love the idea of, of taking dogs from shelters, marrying them with you know, soldiers or people with, you know, PTSD. I love the idea of taking the dogs and putting them into prisons so that prisoners can have a job and train them because they do a really good job. Uh, what do you guys yes. think about that? I love it. I yeah. think especially when mm -hmm. you're talking about, you know, folks that are incarcerated, um, mm. just the emotional process that they go through of working with these dogs, uh, the psychology of, of that, it's, it's not only good for the dog, and the dog doesn't just receive the training, but it's such a such a healthy psychological process for these folks to go through who are doing time. And mm -hmm. I think these are the kind of things that start to, to improve kind of uh, mental ability and, and, uh, and compassion and empathy, which will allow them to, once they uh, go back into society, be able to do so at a, at a higher functioning level. And become dog mm -hmm. trainers if they wish. You know, they Absolutely. have a job. Now they've got to train. You got it. Yeah, and I, I can speak. I can speak from experience being just out of incarceration for that five days. <laughs> yes, you were. I had a companion, or <laughs> would have made life a lot easier. And I can see how somebody, because you don't realize how trapped you feel and how much anxiety goes on. And I can't believe that that is going to produce a healthy person after any long period of time. But yeah. if you had a companion in there and a dog that loves you unconditionally. I think that would change the prison system. It, it just, there's too. no doubt about it. 
I agree. That's mm-hmm. I'm going to start lobbying for that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I love that idea. I really do. I think that that makes so much sense, especially somebody who's a lifer too. Like, can you just imagine like never having love or, or anything? And, you know, there's so many people incarcerated wrongly that, you know, I'm not even going to start on that one. That's another show, but we're talking about the dogs today. <laughs> Anybody have anything else they want to say about the dogs, the pit bulls, any kind of dogs? You know, all just my final comment would be in terms of a call to action for people. If you see something wrong, if you see something broken, please get active about fixing it. Use social media. It's a great tool to educate people. It's a great tool to influence public opinion about dogs like pit bulls who are wrongfully stereotyped. Actively engage your local elected leaders. Call and email them. Lobby them. Tell them how you feel about issues. Tell them how you want them to vote. And please collaborate openly with other advocates. Remember, on our own, we're effective, but together we are unstoppable. I like that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, people always say, oh, nothing's going to change. We can't change anything. But that's not true, is it, Luke? I mean, you can make headway. Absolutely. Sometimes it takes some time. Sometimes, you know, there's ebbs and flows. You'll you'll have some wounds through the battle. But but, uh, we've seen it too many times where progress has been made. And if we're willing to, to put in the work, and we can do it collaboratively with others, we can absolutely make change. Yes. One really quick comment I want to talk about is compassion fatigue, because I know I, you know, I talk to nonprofits all the time on the shows, and in the doggy world, you guys are each struggling you know, to, to, to bring money and funding in for your ventures. Um, how do we overcome this compassion fatigue, do you think? Luke, you work with nonprofits. Like, how, how are you... I mean, we only yeah, got two minutes, really. There's but. a couple different things. Couple different things. I, I think that being around other people is key. If you try to go at this alone, if, mm-hmm. if you get tunnel vision on this and you don't have other people there to pick you up when you've fallen down or to encourage and inspire you when you're weary, uh, let's face it, this, this, this industry is physically, emotionally, and mentally exhausting, right? Mm-hmm. And you've got to have a good support structure. You've got to have people in your life that can help you with those things. Sometimes... It's important to take an hour, take a day, take an afternoon and unplug and relax and just take time for yourself. Recharge your batteries, then you'll come back at it and you'll be ready to go uh, and enthused again. Good job. www.gordonshell.com, www.anactofdog.org. And Luke, do you want us to give out your website? Yeah, so we've got Ohioans who get breed, discrimination.org. And then our family foundation is westermanfamilyfoundation.org. And those two sites have a lot of information about the different things that we're working on. And then lastly, citizensforshelterreform.org. That's the, all that. the work that we're doing to work with shelters. Yeah, check nice. it out, folks. Nice. Good job. Well, thank you, everybody. Thank you so much for being so supportive, and thank you so much for coming on the show. And those of you who are listened, please you know, listen to this again. Get all of those names and websites down. Go and take a visit and get involved. I appreciate it. We all appreciate it. And we'll be back next week. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Thank you.